Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in WFRP 4th Edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Steve and Matt. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? I'm doing good, real well. It's uh, finally spring in Michigan, so uh, that's got me going. It's spring in Michigan for now. Let's not rule out the fact that it might start snowing again or sleeting or... Who knows what? But we went from True. snow on the ground to 80 degrees within about, I don't know, 7 to 10 days so or less. Classic Michigan. Right. I don't know what, why we're ever surprised anymore. Right. For sure. So what have you gentlemen been up to uh, lately for gaming? Gaming-wise, just been kind of getting back into Warhammer 480K, reading some books, painting some models, getting ready to play more. That's about taking up most of my time lately, extra time. Well, I, I, I've seen you on the PS4 playing oh, some Battlefield. Yeah, I've been two, playing Battle some Front Battlefield, two. Battlefront Two. That, that's yeah. been fun, but that's kind of like you just join in, shoot, <laughs> have fun. It's a little more relaxed. Yeah, more right. relaxed. Not so much invested time. Yeah, or money, <laughs> or money. <laughs> so most of my gaming time has been locked into running around and following Cubicle Seven, which we'll get into in a little bit. I know for myself, I've also been doing some painting, and I haven't really gotten anything on the table uh, recently, but I hope to very soon. We've been playing a game. I've, I've spoke about legacy games in the past. Gloomhaven is a legacy game. As you progress through it, things are changing dramatically that will affect future games and whatnot. Another game we've been playing recently is called Charterstone, which is really fun. It's another legacy game. And this one, it's worker placement. And there's uh, up to six players that have a different section of the board that you're adding stickers to that are different locations that you can go to with your workers. And as you're progressing through the game, you are going to be adding stickers, adding buildings to the board. And in addition to that, every time you build a building, you can also unlock a crate. When you unlock a crate, you open this giant box with maybe over 400 cards in it. And it tells you you have to pull out these three new cards. Well, those three new cards have a new rule for the game, a new card type, a new worker type, something. So as you're progressing through this, the game is constantly changing. You're pulling out new things, new rules that are being added, new ways to score points. And then one of the things I love about legacy games is that you can make it very custom. So every time we unlock a new character or a new minion or a new assistant or guest, whoever, we can name them. So we have this, by the Hmm. time we're done... We have a completely unique copy of this with our handwriting all over the board. <laughs> all the characters that I have are named after Game of Thrones or Star Wars or whatever because I'm right. a giant nerd, and it's, <laughs> it's cool. One thing that's different, most legacy games that I've played, once you're done, you're done. You can't really replay the game because you've destroyed components and whatnot. In this one, when you're done, you have a playable game that is one of a kind, which is really cool. Yeah, that is cool. One of my biggest problems with legacy games is the one use. Like, I feel like it has has to be really epic for you to go through it right. and to make yeah. it worth it to me. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we've played through Pandemic Legacy seasons one and two, and while it is technically one use, it's still sixteen to eighteen plays, which is right. that's quite a bit. Right. So you yeah. get your money's worth. But Trotterstone is super fun. We're, we're having a lot of fun with it. I know the legacy games have been pretty ranked high on Board Game Geek, too. So, All right. So, well, let's move on because I think we have just a few things to talk about in our announcement and news section. Maybe one or two. I think Cubicle 7 heard my plea from our last episode. Yes. They, they did. The floodgates have opened. The floodgates had opened. Like so I've, For I've, months, our news segment was, we hope to hear something. <laughs> There's rumors. Maybe. We don't know. 
to we might hear something, and even if we do hear anything, it's very vague. <laughs> right now, there's so much new information that's coming out; it's hard to keep track of all of it. Right. So, Steve, why don't you let us in on what Cubicle Seven has finally told us? I surely will. Well, it's finally here. We have details, and they do not disappoint. Cubicle Seven announced pre-orders, and they are live now. Woo! Ooh, finally. <laughs> Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay takes you back to the old world. Get your gang together, create your heroes or anti-heroes, and set off to make your way through the vile corruption, scheming plotters, and terrifying creatures intent on destruction. Yeah, that came straight from like their description of the game. So <laughs> I'm wondering if that's like uh, going to be on the back of the book or something. Nice. Yeah. Nice. They got new artwork. Uh, from what I've seen, it looks amazing. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, did you see the dwarf with the double pistols? <laughs> I did. Because... That yes, should be a please. model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so there are new products. WFRP 4th Edition, there's a core rulebook. The Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay rulebook contains everything you need for grim and perilous roleplay adventures in the old world. Delivery of PDF is scheduled for June 2018 and hardcover book July 2018. Prices? It looks like it's going to be 44 pounds or $59 uh, US. And with the delivery, the PDF, they, they, they're not giving, they're telling us a month, but they're not giving us a specific day. I'm assuming that the well, UK, What that means is that for 30 d- straight days, you are going to be like hitting refresh on your browser, yeah. hoping that yeah. it, yeah. There's a program that just hits your F5 button over and over again. <laughs> And I, I think yeah. it, it said, was it 320 pages that the core book's going to be? Is that what I saw? Yeah, something right around there. That's pretty and good. Yeah, so it's going to be meaty, which is good, and you know, a thick book, which will be really great. I can't wait to see. I know. It's got to have so many just details, stories, yeah. just little bits that yeah. it's, it's going to be. Amazing. And it's all supposed to have new artwork is, is what I've been reading, too. So, and so far, all of the artwork they've released, oh, it looks so good. All the characters... Yeah, uh, just the backgrounds, everything. Well, you know, when you get a, a book that's that substantial, that many pages, it's going to be a one-stop shop, right? You're going to have to start with. You're going to have a whole glossary of the the monsters and the beasts you're going to fight, all the characters, all that stuff's going to be in there. Whereas a lot of times, and other you know companies will put out one book that's the basic rules. Then you have to get a bestiary. Then you have to get a source book for the characters. Well, I I still expect we'll probably see a bestiary. But I know they did it with second edition, despite the fact that they had several like monsters and, and stuff, you know, adversaries there. I would be really surprised if we didn't see like one or two. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. I know well, they're no. going to have expansion books for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Right. From what I've seen so far, the core book is going to be a great, you're going to get your money's worth from it, from what right. I can tell. And from the conversation that they've been having on the website too, in the forums, Cubicle 7 says that based on the first three hours of pre-orders, they had to up their production run. Yeah. Which is amazing. So what it means is that they were expecting a lot, but there's even more interest than they were expecting. Oh, yeah. Which is is awesome. They basically come out and say, the bigger the pre-order, the more money they're generating on the front end here, the more likely they're going to have longer expansions, more expansions. So it means... It's going to breathe more life into this product, which is completely fine with me. Yeah, it's yeah. good for every angle of this. Yep. Right. Let's hope it's good. I hope so, too. <laughs> hey, uh, besides the core rulebook, uh, they're coming out with a couple other things. They got the fourth edition starter set. It's basically the perfect introduction to the Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay if you're brand new. I would suggest starting with this because it comes with most of the things that you might need here. Right. Well, part, part of the thing is, though, it's not coming out at the same time, yes. which which I don't understand 
I mean, I guess I'm sure there's a whole marketing or production thing yeah, that goes production behind wise. it. Yeah, a but, lot different than just producing a, a book, right? A hardcover book versus a box with dice with right. mats, and with, it's supposed to have dice too. Yeah, so, so it I'm comes su- with uh, two ten sided dice. Yeah, is, I'm excited because yeah. I wonder what those are going to look like. I hope they're <laughs> they not spare, just like spare no expense. Two dice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all you need for W. That's true, right? Well, I mean, so yeah, for a D100 yeah. system, there you go. So, but I hope those dice are all Warhammery. That's. I, I'm very excited for this product. Yeah. This is something that I fully intend to purchase as soon as possible, and I, I'm going to run my RPG group and see what they have to say. If you haven't pre-ordered, everybody, get your pre-orders in. So yep, they are going to be running out, which <laughs> well, is amazing. <laughs> right? What's the what's the price on that for the starter set? Starter set that's going to be around twenty three pounds or thirty dollars US. Not that's not bad at all. No, it's not. not And we still don't really know what's in it. John and some of the other Cubicle Seven peoples on the interwebs have been hinting that more information is to come as it gets closer. So I am really, really curious to see. I saw what they did with their Lone Wolf starter set, and that was interesting. But I'm hoping and expecting to see something even greater from WFRP. And uh, just to give some delivery dates, PDF for the starter set is scheduled for August 2018. Uh, the box set, September 2018. So just get, give you a little time frame on that. Uh, they're also going to come up with the Collector's Edition Limited Rulebook, which I've seen it. It looks really, really nice. Oh, yeah, it does. I, I went ahead, and that's that's what I pulled the trigger on. And <laughs> I don't know. My wife wasn't super pleased because it's a little bit more expensive. I think that one's coming in at 89 or 90 pounds or $120 US. It's it's beautiful. Like yeah. leather cover with yeah. like the Emba- it's like embossed. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's supposed to have like gold leafed or pages or edged pages. Mm. And it comes in a magnetic tuck box or not a tuck box, but some sort of yeah, a, like a folding folding yeah. box thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks wonderful spare no expense i know it's just the problem is is this is what i'm struggling with so i'm gonna get this i'm gonna like look through it very very carefully yeah and then i'm gonna like want to put it on my shelf in the shrine right next to like all of my candles the sigmar and i'm never gonna want to touch it (laughs) i know (laughs) you use latex gloves when you handle it and tweezers as you're flipping the pages right and i mean all the priests that attend to it aren't gonna be allowed to touch it either i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna have to pick up like two or three copies of this have you started pricing museum glass uh, (laughs) boxes to hold it in first i have to hire the the men at arms to protect yeah (laughs) your wife's gonna be lance why is there an armed guard in our living room he's like well I, uh, come on, this is it's important. Keep staring me down every time I go to the kitchen. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty nice. They're numbered too, which is cool. Yeah, that's that's very true. Oh, well, hey, uh, that delivery date for the PDF, <laughs> which which are they really going to have a PDF for the limited edition rule book? Yeah, but it's supposedly the going to be the exact same things. From what I was reading on the forums, the actual content of the core rule book versus the special edition core rule book is exactly the same. It's just all the pretty oh, outside and yeah, the deals. fancy inlays, right, and all okay. that stuff. But there's nothing. There's no content difference. So I'm assuming that it's going to be the exact same PDF, except maybe the cover. The page number one of your PDF might have a different cover on it. Sure. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, that comes out around the same date as the core rulebook. So expect it 
Right. June, 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 PDF, July. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping June 1st through June 3rd because that's when the UK Games Expo is, and they're supposedly launching it there according to the UK Games Expo that would anyway. Be smart business so, wise. <laughs> I'm just saying, Cubicle 7. Please. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, yeah. So there's another thing I wanted to talk about, which is the system. So they did give us a tiny bit of information about what's actually going to be in all these beautiful products that they've given us prices for and pre orders for. Some of the mechanic stuff looks great. We already knew it was going to be based on the D100 system and using 10-sided dice, et cetera. But they've actually been talking about how you can really tailor the rules that you're using. There's going to be different situations that you can use different rule sets on the dice. They explained it as choosing from a fast roll under simple test or dramatic test giving success levels where you need more than a yes or no. Mm, So. And it even says, or barely rolling at all, if that's your style. Uh, that's so smart. I'm just, I'm really curious to see how this is going to come out. I don't think they're going to say, here's your three different rule sets to run this system. I think it's going to all be one integrated. I could be wrong. I have nothing to back this yeah. up. But but I know Cubicle 7's other products, and they wouldn't do something shoddy like that. I expect it to be a well-integrated, well-oiled system mechanically. And I'm very curious to see how they're going to pull this off. Yeah. Well, in any role-playing game, it's all about finding a good balance. You don't want to be rolling the dice for every check, but that's right. also a, a big, you know, a fun part of the game is rolling the dice. So right. find, finding that balance, making it to where you're rolling enough to keep it interesting and keeping it engaged, but also not relying on a, a die roll for something that maybe doesn't need a die roll. Right. And when it comes to WFRP, every time you roll the dice, there's like a 10% chance you're going right. to die. So we... <laughs> It's yeah. I mean, good to have like that how, option. How else are you going to fail if you don't roll? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's some GM. First yeah. p- part of GM advice we're giving on this show, you can't kill your players if they don't roll the dice. That's right. <laughs> if, there's a, if there's a test you want them to fail, make them roll. <laughs> so make sure to check out the Cubicle 7 website, which is www.cubicle7.co.uk. And that's cubicle and the number seven. And they've released more information in the last few days than they have in, like, ever. Uh, Yeah. We're not saying they're stingy with information, but... Not anymore. They're a clamp tight. They were. (laughs) No, they were. And we're getting, like, a little bit every day even. It was like, oh, man, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to get work done at work when I'm checking my phone every five minutes. (laughs) Fun story. I'm talking to Lance about a week or so ago, and he's driving on his way into work. And I I say, oh, man, pre-orders are live now. And I, I could hear his car, like hit the brakes, he takes the first exit, finds a place to park so he can jump online and look at this. Did you call into work that day just so you could? I, I made it to work on time, but let me tell you, I was distracted in my brain pan yeah, for, sure. for that whole day. <laughs> well, so, that was really the uh, first, you know, that was when the floodgates really started to open. We were right. getting the news, so it made sense. Right. We actually, moving past the news and stuff, we actually have something really interesting. I, I think Matt's going to tell us about yeah. it here. This is now the fourth episode that we're recording, and to start with, we're having a blast doing this, and it's really interesting being able to see feedback that we're getting online, people talking about us in the forums uh, from various websites, and there was actually something that we found very interesting, a discussion that was uh, happening on the Strike to Stun forums, talking about the way we pronounce this game. Instead of you know Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, we know that, and we've always said that as WFRP. That makes sense to us, right. but there were some people that were saying that no, that's it should be Woofrup. 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 It, it had never occurred to me, yeah, that you would say WFRP or the the letters WFRP as Woofrup. 
Yeah. It was very fascinating that that came up because again, we, you know, like Lance just said, it wasn't something that we'd even considered necessarily. And to be honest, when we first started saying it, it seemed odd. Like it didn't seem like something that, that we're, worked for we us. We weren't used to. Yeah. yeah. Right. But the more, the, so you want to play, the more you want to play Woofer Up second edition? It was like, what? <laughs> yeah. The, the more we're saying it, the, the, I don't know. It's starting to make come out a little easier, I guess. It is, and actually, to to be honest, we find it amazingly interesting. Oh, absolutely! Warhammer is across the world, and it and it yes. always it's always been a big thing. It's in it's not just in any one country. It is is all over the place, and just our listener base really proves that. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people started commenting in there from different areas of even the U.S. I thought when I first thought it, I'm like, oh, and it's probably just a, a U.K. thing or something like it. I'd never heard that in the U.S., but there are different people in different parts of the U.S. that say, oh, yeah. yeah, we've said it as Woofrup. Yeah. I think somebody even said in, in the Strike the Sun forums there that it was explained in like a White Dwarf or, or some publication somewhere that the correct way to pronounce it was Woofrup. And I'm not even sure I'm saying Woofrup right, right, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we're it, testing the waters. Yeah, but it's it's very fascinating how, to see how how different cultures do it. Different locations, different areas of the world have different different norms for things like that. So if you feel like we're assaulting your eardrums by saying WFRP, we apologize. Yes. <laughs> Another thing we actually we're going to be doing is across all of our social media platforms, we're going to be putting up some polls just to. Not not saying that you know whichever poll gets the most votes or whatever that we're gonna change the way we we're doing it or change the way we're saying it. We're gonna keep doing what's what's comfortable for us, but we'd love to see your input and we'd love to see how you feel. The old world podcast community out there. So make sure to keep an eye on our Facebook page, our Twitter, and I believe in the forums as well. We're gonna have. Yeah, I don't think we're going to do in the forums yet because until Cubicle 7 actually opens up a separate forum for WFRP, I'm not going to do anything there. We'll definitely have it on our website for sure. We'll post it with oldworldpodcast.com. Yeah, yeah, with this episode. And then also uh, Twitter, Facebook. And then I'll see about Strike This Sun if, if I can get it in there. But anyway, it's really interesting. So please weigh in. Go to one of those social media platforms for Old World Podcast. There should be a poll and, and tell us how do you pronounce it and let us know and feel free to comment too and then why you think your way is right we'd love to read it oh yeah <laughs> we'll we'll be going over the results in a couple episodes from now for sure absolutely so and in addition to that i you know know that we we are, are keeping track of what you're saying we want to see discussion we want your feedback positive of course negative feedback always send that to lance Right, and we'll and that, go that, from there. For for the record, you send the, that negative feedback to to uh, my email is Matt nice. at oldworldpodcast.com. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of all the social media and stuff, that feels like a great place for a social media plug. Steve, you can hire a town crier, or you can follow us Twitter at Old World Podcast or on Facebook. And that Facebook would be facebook.com slash Old World Podcast. All right, guys, it is time to get to the main topic, the meat of the show. Today, we're going to continue our general overview of the Warhammer world, and we're going to attempt to explain what it is to dive into the Warhammer world and how it's different than other settings you might be familiar with. In episode one, we reviewed the overall history and feel of the world, while in episode two, we talked about magic and technology. In today's show, we'll be giving you a brief overview of the denizens of the Warhammer world by giving you a very high-level look at the various races and monsters you're likely to run into. 
Again, while today's show topic and the first four episodes as a whole that we're doing are dedicated towards listeners who probably don't have a deep knowledge of the Warhammer world, we think it's a great review for anyone who maybe hasn't delved into the setting for a while. So sit back and enjoy as we take you on a tour from the derpest... Derpest? Derpest. Derp. Please don't cut that. <laughs> the, derp- the deepest Skaven Warrens all the way to the highest elf towers in tonight's episode of the Old World Podcast. All right. We've said this before. We want to put our disclaimer here saying that we know that Warhammer is a, a massive universe, very rich setting, has lots and lots of background content, and has grown and is constantly growing. We, you know, we'll see how it's going to grow even when, when uh, fourth edition comes out. As always, we're going to do our best to give you an accurate view, overview of everything. But it is likely, nay, I say it is guaranteed, we're probably going to get something wrong in there. So if we do, we apologize, as always. But uh, let's get on to it. On to the main topic. So first, we're going to start with races. And like I said before, it's important to have a basic understanding of how the world's inhabitants interact with each other, how they might impact your game, and how they might be similar or different from what you already know. So again, this is going to be a high-level overview. So we're going to talk about all these different races. We're going to go over several points here, but we're not going to dig super deep into them. We're just going to do a surface level to give you hopefully enough knowledge so that you can feel comfortable getting your game on uh, in the Warhammer world. All right, so to get things going here, we're going to talk about elves. All elves in general are more attuned to magic, and they basically have the most powerful mages in the world. In general, they are considered arrogant, haughty, and very sure of themselves, like in the movies. Uh, They don't suffer fools and are immortal. They will never die of old age. Usually they just die in combat or by uh, magical accidents. And in the game, they die often, so... Right. If, if you're yes. playing right, they die often. <laughs> the elves are very much like the standard, like Tolkienish kind of elf. Live, it's, it's what you would be familiar with in popular culture. Live generally. for thousands of years. You yeah, know, they they kind of stay away from the normal races that kind of have a shorter lifespan. Sure, this is a flick of an eye, you know, or a blink of an eye, I should say, in their lives. It's not unusual to see an elf in an imperial city, even occasionally out in the wild. Uh, they are around, but they usually stick to their own. Come in three basic varieties. You got your high elves, which are the good guys. Dark elves, they're darker cousins, <laughs> evil, and the wood elves, uh, self-explanatory. That's, well, the wood elves are up for debate whether they're yeah, good, or bad. good or bad. I, I just want to go sure. in their realm. High elves, uh, they are the original elves, uh, the oldest of the younger races. Uh, most live in Ulthan, it's the island continent of the elves. Their home world or the homeland. There are scattered elves throughout the old world, still living in the great forest, you know, the wood elves. Uh, normally, they owe allegiance to the Phoenix King in Ulthan, uh, but in practice, they take care of themselves. So the wood elves, they have their own little realm. They may still have their king, but they usually keep to themselves and really never even go to the mainland. But they still have their fealty to the main king. Right. And this is, and to be clear, when you're playing your Warhammer game, like 99% of the time, this is the uh, elves that you're going to be interacting with. They're going right. to be a descendant from or part of the high elf kingdom. They're generally not going to be specifically you know, a dark elf or a wood elf. Those are pretty rare for someone to see in the old world, at least in the empire. A uh, little extra notes on the dark elves. Uh, they were once part of the high elves, but they broke off during a civil war uh, that was called the Sundering. They are basically raiders, slavers, and a race filled with hate. They settled a separate kingdom from Ulthan. 
in the desolate lands of Nagaroth from where they now launch invasions and raids on the rest of the world. That's basically on the old world map, that'd be northwest of the island of Ulthan. Right. That's actually a really good point, too. The map, if if you're new to Warhammer and you've never looked at a Warhammer fantasy world map, you should do it because it is actually very closely related to the real world map. (laughs) Where the Dark Elves are is basically North America. Yeah. Wait a second. May have been. What are they trying to say? Europe is where the Empire is. It's actually really nifty because it's it's like a stylized take, like a like they're taking the real map of the world and then changed it and tweaked it to to be different. But the you can True. see the overall shape, you know, like Araby is kind of where the Middle East is, right? Things things like that. Yeah. Lustria, Africa. Lustria. Yeah. Well, Lustria is not Africa. Lustria it would is be uh, South America. South America. Right, and then the Southlands would be like Africa, or Araby yes. would be in the top of the Southlands. So, like where the Sahara Desert and stuff mm-hmm. is in the, the world is where the old kingdom of Nehekara. You make a really interesting point there, Lance. Really, any time that you get into a universe, whether it's a role-playing game or a book series or a board game or a video game, knowledge of the world that you're you're in and you're on can can inform a lot of your decisions. So if you think about the locations of these different races, that's going to influence who they've who they've warred with before, who they would trade with. I'm not saying that's the case necessarily in Warhammer specifically, but in you know if you look at the the map of the Game of Thrones world, Westeros and Essos, the more you understand that, the easier it is to keep track of who is in power and where these these different battles took place. And it's really fascinating and definitely something that I would encourage everybody to do. For if sure. you're not really familiar with Warhammer, you know, pop online, you know, uh, do a quick search and take a look at it. Kind of try to absorb what you can from it. Yeah, and maybe I'll make sure to link a map onto our show notes too. If you really aren't sure, you can take a look at the show notes and I'll have a link there to a cool Warhammer map. I, I'm not sure what it's going to be, but I'll add it. Good deal. Hey, to wrap up, the elves, the wood elves, uh, they were once part of the high elf kingdom, but at the end of the War of Beards, instead of returning to Ulthan, they kind of stayed within the forest. So like I said, they still have fealty to the Phoenix King, but they stay within themselves. Uh, they live in giant magical forests. Like Athelorn. Athelorn. Yeah, Athelorn's the name of that forest. And they protect that realm with a deadly vengeance. Once you enter it, you usually don't come back out unless right. they want you to. It's not unheard of for wood elves to travel outside their home forest, but it's extremely rare. And Athelorn in the world there is actually can't even really get to it from the Empire. You would have to go through Britonia. Yeah. So you'd have to cross like a mountain range and then go south for a while. It's an interesting thing, but they are a large population of elves with their own sort of subculture now. So mm-hmm. so that leads us to the dwarves. And in a lot of the ways, as the elves are similar to what you would expect in current popular fantasy, the dwarves are very similar as well. Dwarves live in mine in the mountains. They're, you know, shorter people. Primarily, they're located in the largest mountain chain, which is called the World Edge Mountains. In theory, all dwarf settlements actually belong to the dwarf kingdom overall, which is ruled from Karazar Karak by the high king of the dwarves. In practice, most dwarf holds or the dwarf cities are called dwarf holds or dwarf fortresses. They manage their own affairs, and they do have a nominal allegiance to the High King. But the farther you are away mm-hmm. from the, the High Kings, the probably the less of a fealty you have. 
Having said that, dwarves are stubborn, as you know you would expect. And the we, classic dwarf, right? And we've talked about that too. And we talked, and they never forget a grudge. Something we've also talked about before mm-hmm. as well. That oh, yeah. they never, ever, ever forget a grudge. I still got my grudge book from my dwarfs and uh, Warhammer Fantasy from nice. a we should, decade ago. We should compare <laughs> grudge books sometime. <laughs> so, um, our dwarf grudge books. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so um, <laughs> are they are they that personal, different? Right. Than your personal grudge book. <laughs> Right? So uh, dwarves have an ancient alliance with the Empire of Man. This was due to how Sigmar saved the dwarf high king at the founding of the Empire long ago. And because of that, too, because of that alliance, several dwarves have settled in the Empire, and they may even serve in the Imperial Army. Most of the larger cities or settlements in the Empire will probably have several dwarfs that live there and work in them. A lot of the times you're going to a smithy, it's going to yep. be a dwarf. Engineers, yep. dwarf. Yep, dwarves are much more part of Imperial society than even elves. While elves might be in the larger cities and might have like a little section that they would live in or have envoys there or something, dwarves will actually sometimes live in Yeah, I was about to say, they they do a lot of trading with the dwarves still like right. in the strongholds, whereas elves... they probably rarely see. So it's one of those things that kind of has bonded them together since um, since Sigmar helped save their dwarf king. And dwarfs are still one of the greater powers for good in the world, but they're, just like the elves, their great kingdom is nowhere near its former glory. So it's been devastated by countless wars and invasions. They've lost several of their key holds throughout the mountains during those invasions and uh, even today, they're still trying to reclaim some of that lost glory. That kind of wraps up the dwarves. All right, on to humans. So there's countless varieties. Uh, there's humans of the Empire, Kislev, Bretonia. Uh, they will be the most likely humans most players will encounter, though there are human settlements all over the world. Most players should have a general idea of how to play a human. I love that. That's actually <laughs> know, like right? a, almost a direct quote from <laughs> yeah, the second an, edition oh, yeah, of RP, yeah. I think. Yep. Like it has role playing tips and under human, I think it says something like, "We yeah, you should know how to do yeah. this." It's truly <laughs> self-explanatory. It's like if you don't know how, there may be other issues. Right. <laughs> uh, the Empire of Man is made up of several provinces, uh, each of which is its own subculture and will occasionally even war with one another. Uh, despite this, all the provinces owe fealty to the emperor, whose power is often more determined by the man than by the title. Usually they get that title through victories, battles, so on and so forth, or just wealth. Larger city-states also have power, uh, sometimes rivaling that of the provinces themselves. I mean, these humans have kind of been through so many fights that they kind of keep hunkering down into a more fortified zone, which becomes like a huge city fortress. Well, one of the things I find so interesting about the Empire, and one of the reasons I feel like it's such a great place to start like any adventure in the Warhammer world, like a role-playing, is because if you think about what the Empire really is, the geopolitical makeup, it is a massive mix of incredibly poor and incredibly rich yep. magic and cities and technology right next to Electric like counts. squalor and you have cities that have more power than an entire elector count who arguably is in the top 12 most powerful people in the realm and he can't even it's just amazing it's so we would we could spend several shows going over actually really in depth of the empire and how it works but it's just it's cool that's all i want to it say sure it's cool is. 
One place of note is Kislev. Uh, it's just north of the empire. And while it's not as large or powerful as the empire, its cities and people are tough. And they basically they form the first line of defense against the raids of the northern caste worshiping barbarian tribes. So they're usually, they are the ones that take the brunt of the force first. Right. Um, and, and actually, depending on where the timeline actually ends up with fourth edition, they haven't really, they, I mean, they said it's, in the old world, but they haven't really locked it down. I, I, I mean, Storm of Chaos. I mean, that's yes. a, a divisive thing among a lot of Warhammer fans, but parts of Kislev are completely overtaken and burned to the ground. I mean, obviously, Kislev was destroyed well before the Empire finally succumbed at the end times, but I'm just very, I'm very curious to see where Kislev is and where we end up when they release fourth edition as Me the too. default default timeline setting. Let's talk about Bretonia. Uh, Bretonia is interesting. Uh, when they came out with the models for fantasy, I loved them. They were knights, horses, you know, like mm. feudal knights, archers. So overall, they're more feudal than the empire, where the commoners have even less change to rise their standing. Yeah, they're very, very class-based. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. if you're a peasant, you're going to be a peasant. Right. You might be a better peasant, but still peasants. And each lord basically controls his own land by the might of his knights and the strength of his castle walls. Some other major human civilizations to note, you got near the old wall, Estalia, Talia, the border princess. Far from the old world, you got Araby, Cathay, Ind, and Nippon. They're very interesting. And some of these faraway places especially don't have a lot of history to them, uh, even with all the years of background in Warhammer. So I'm very, very excited to see if maybe we get some more from... Yeah, I was about to say, my, yeah. my theory was they made the world and they have these land like Ind and Nippon. If you look at the world, they're kind of like the eastern Right. Nippon like, is like Japan. They got the right. Great Wall up top protecting right. from chaos. And it's just too bad they never had that army because I always pictured like re- like repeating crossbows. Oh, uh, yeah. Firing. <laughs> like a Chinese kind of based army, like a, like a theme. If anyone somebody... from Game Workshop is listening... Okay. FYI. You can, yeah, here's, FYI. here's your next that idea. That would be really cool. Give me a call. Dragons. <laughs> Ooh, man. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be sweet. That would actually. Jade Warriors. Yeah. That, all right. Let's move on. These, so those, those are the three kind of main races. There are a lot of other big influence races in the, in the world of Warhammer as well. One of them is Lizardmen. And we talked a lot about Lizardmen in our original history of the Warhammer world. Um, but they're like the most ancient of the races. They're created by the old ones. There are several different sub-races of Lizardmen. You have powerful ancient slan mage priests, terrifying source warriors, nimble skink workers. There, there's a lot of different types of Lizardmen. So most of them are going to live in the jungles of Lustria or in the Southlands, well away from where you might run into them, like in the Empire, for example. But they do exist. In general, like I said, we went over them in detail mostly, but they're just led by the slan and... They have their own dangerous ways of doing things. Well, so they got their own agenda. They really right. kind of stay away. In fact, they don't mind to move a mountain, even if it crushes people. <laughs> right. As long as it's all part, part of the plan. Part of the plan. The old one said this mountain needed to move. <laughs> yeah. okay. It was prophesied. Okay. It was prophesied. Today's a day. You die. Uh, that leads us to orcs and goblins, some of my favorite characters. They're called greenskins. Uh, that includes uh, the overall, like, snotlings, goblins, oryx, black oryx, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's also, like, a list of from smallest to biggest right there. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> snotlings are little bitty guys the that you can just ball. step on. Yeah. <laughs> orcs and goblins live to destroy and battle. Uh, basically, as soon as they're 
bred and born, or I should say grown. Right. They're ready for action. They live all over the world, uh, creating settlements in the deepest forests, the darkest caves, and the harshest wastelands. They can live anywhere, which makes them so hard to wipe out because you can't be everywhere. Eventually, they will build up raiding parties or grow enough people. Uh, they get big enough where they actually create armies and seek out battle wherever they can find it. Strength in numbers. You know it. Right. That's that's classic. Or though, goblin right there. Right. But though, if you had to choose like a homeland for orcs and goblins, it'd probably be the Badlands, which is south of the border princess, south of the empire. There's this area of like desolate waste and stuff that's just infested with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, they're everywhere. Everywhere. The Greenskins have one simple rule for leadership. Usually the biggest and the baddest are in charge. <laughs> right. <laughs> Goblins are small, weak, and individually hardly a threat. But when they get their numbers, then they are forced to be reckoned with. They're tricky. They're sly. They will use whatever they can to beat you. They might run at the first sign um, that they might lose a fight. However, like I said, they're also sneaky, murderous, and very dangerous in large numbers. They come in a lot of variety, like the night goblins usually have the black ho- hoodies on, uh, to the forest goblins who might ride giant spiders. Right. Excellent. I've, I've, I've actually had one of my WFRP characters die to a bunch of goblins attacking. I did some poor decisions, and, <laughs> and I thought I could take them all on. Of course. I was wrong. <laughs> they look so tiny. An individual orc is a large mass of muscle and uh, choppy goodness. A trained soldier can stand up to an orc, but they rarely show up by themselves, and a mass of orc boys charging at you is enough to cause normal soldiers to flee. I can just imagine all the spit and phlegm and just uh, blood eyes and, and the screams of wog. Giant, yeah. huge. Yeah. Battle orcs and goblins are as likely to fight amongst themselves as they are to fight the enemy. So right. this kind of goes those. in line with that comment you said about the Skaven, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Like if they ever stop fighting themselves, right. They, right, they would just take over the world. Yeah. Orcs and goblins are pretty much the same way. So if we're moving on from orcs and goblins, we're going to go on to ogres. Ogres are they're kind of humanist, humanesque, humanesque, is that a word? Humanesque. So, right. They're, they're twice as tall as a human, three times as wide. They're, uh, ogres hail from the far east, from the mountains of Morn. They have a culture there. They worship the great maw, and as part of their culture, they will like eat almost anything. So they have like stomachs of, I don't know, magical iron. I don't know. That's probably not a, like a crocodile. Church. Right. They can just, they can just eat, eat anything, anything. And, and it's part of their religious ceremonies. They're also incredibly powerful and uh, will often send giant war bands or armies off to just pillage and eat. They will... Oh, we captured you. We're gonna eat you. We're gonna. They'll eat whatever they fight, and they'll fight for you. It's not unheard of to have ogre mercenaries be hired by even the imperial army to go fight battles and stuff. But you have to be careful because they're just as likely to turn around and eat you right. as they are. You know. Oh, you're gonna pay me more money, and I get to eat the guys that just hired me and keep their gold. Okay, good plan. Good deal. Right. They are a rare sight. In the Empire, but they're not unheard of. And most people would fear hearing about an ogre around. You wouldn't just be okay with an ogre walking around town. Uh, on the Skaven. Woo-ha-ha. They are hidden in the depths of the world and in the sewers of the cities and are basically giant rat men known as Skaven. Their numbers are in the billions strong. And 
like we just said, they would literally take over the world easily if they were able to work together. But luckily, they can't. <laughs> haven't got there yet. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> they haven't evolved but that far yet. Till the end times. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> they have several clans that spend time fighting each other as much or more than other enemies. The Skaven have invaded almost all the service empires at one time or another, including the realms of dwarves and lizard men. And usually what they haven't taken over, it doesn't mean they're not there. It means they're underneath you. Around you, they're, they're listening to everywhere, you. Basically, they're right? everywhere, basically. They're everywhere. Yeah, and actually, it's actually amazing. The Skaven history that, again, your average old world is going to have no idea. Skaven are kind of a myth and a mystery. Like, oh, right. giant rat men in the sewers? Okay, yeah. whatever, Ali- dude. Like aliens, haha. Uh-huh. Okay. Right, yeah. yeah. They caused major problems for the Dwarven realms. The Dwarven realms couldn't recover from the Goblin Wars because right. of the Skaven, basically. And then even the Lizardmen in Lustria, a giant plague was brought by the Skaven armies that almost caused the collapse of the Lizardmen civilization. The Skaven civilization is filled with these giant victories that they could never capitalize on, mostly because they couldn't stop from fighting each other. You know, it's like they kind of breed and wait and wait and wait, and they plan and attack, and then they attack in the millions, and then they kind of fight themselves and kind of lose... Uh, their culture is predicated on obtaining and consuming warp stone. Uh, it's what they want. It's what they eat. It, they use it for their magic, their technology. It's their culture. And warp stone, like if you didn't listen to our last yeah. episode on magic, it's basically a magical lodestone that yes. essentially falls from the sky. The, yeah. One of the moons. Here's a little yeah. tidbit for you. One of the moons of Warhammer, and there's yes, there's more than one, it's actually made of magical warp stone for you. That's cool. Yeah. So there's more. And so now we're getting into some of the, the fun stuff. I don't know if you'd really consider this a race, but the undead, the, that exists all over the world as well, thanks to our good buddy Nagash. Right. Nagash actually, as we talked about a little bit in what was it, episode one, we talked a little bit about Nagash, how he brought about the plague of the world that is the undead, but it's everywhere. You have vampires, you have ghouls, you have zombies, you have, I don't know. It, Anything that dies could be made undead, and they have it. Right. Undead and, dragons, undead steeds. Right. So necromancer, necromancy, vampires. Vampires exist in the empire. There's a whole province, a section of the province called Sylvania, which is like just infested with vampires. And inevitably, the empire ends up going to war every several hundred years. To fight them. To curb them down. Right. And in fact, one of the vampire lords, and their name is, I'm missing it for a second. Do you remember who it was? Castine. I don't know. He almost, the empire was almost taken over and ruled by a vampire once, and it was just barely avoided. There is a, but it's not just there. Uh, As we've talked about, uh, Kermi, which is the, the basically they, they call them the Tomb Kings of Kermi, which is the old civilization of Nehekara. It's a dead land. They're all a ton of undead in the tombs there. Everything you could think of from like a scary movie exists in Warhammer, like ghosts, ghouls. It's it's all there. Spectres. Spectres, yeah. Some scary stuff. Things I would not want to fight. Right. Right. There are other beasts in the world, of course. Um, there, there are probably a plethora more than we're about to say, but uh, the other beasts include dragons, shagas, wyverns, griffins, hippogriffs, giant eagles. Basically, there's lots of ways to die. Right. I mean, there's squigs, squigs. giant squigs. Oh. squigs. Squigs. Do you know what a squig is? <laughs> no, I, okay. I can't wait to hear this. Oh, squig. 
Yeah, all right. A squig is if you could take a giant ball of muscle. I mean, yeah. the, the size of like I don't know, not a soccer uh, ball. Think they, of they, a giant beach ball. Yeah, like and, and it's all it is is a giant beach ball with muscles, eyes, and teeth, and lots and lots of teeth. And it's basically the pets of the goblins. It's like their dog, right? And they jump around, and... right? It's just as likely to eat the goblin as it right. is anything else. Can I can I be the first to say I I hope there are rules for those in fourth edition? Oh, there will be. There oh, they exist be. in second edition too. Oh, is there? So, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. Squigs are hilarious. One of the things I love about goblins in general, they're just they're hilariously funny. Uh, if you play that army, it's like you never know if you're going to kill yourself more mm, right. or, or what's going to do. Like, if you like, if you like pure random <laughs> destruction, like, goblins is not a bad army. Right. <laughs> so we're just giving a smattering. Like if we went through like all of the different animals or creatures you could end up fighting in the Warhammer world, yeah. we could be talking all day. Yeah, we'd be yeah, here all night. Hours. Yeah. So keep in mind, there are plenty of other resources you can go to to find out more information about the Warhammer world. The main one, which is going to be different depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it when it releases, a great spot would be the core rule books for first or second edition. If you're listening to it after June or July of 2018, we would definitely say check out the fourth edition core rule book. That's going to hopefully have a lot of great information in there. In addition, you've got the fantasy battles rule books. Uh, in army books, there are novels that are set in the world, other websites. You can find all that stuff. Search it on Google. A couple good ones are games-workshop.com, warhammerfantasy.wikia.com, and uh, plenty of other uh, other great websites as well. Absolutely. So be sure to check those out, guys. That's actually the end of our show tonight. So uh, thank you again for joining us as we've given you, again, the barest overview of the denizens of the Warhammer world. We hope that you found this information helpful and that it gets you geared up to jump into your next WFRP or Wuffrup game. And uh, and hopefully that'll be fourth edition real soon. In our next episode, we're going to be continuing our series of episodes that's aimed at giving you an overview of the Warhammer world. Our next installment will be getting into chaos. Ooh, I can't wait to do this one. Uh, the it's, it's not just chaos. We're going to also go over the religions of the Warhammer world as well. Um, but chaos is a big part of it. So while magic may drive the crazy world of Warhammer, chaos drives the magic. And also it drives the sane, insane. And maybe the insane also sane? That's chaos for you. <laughs> as we've said before, whether you're wet behind the ears as a greenhorn or you're a grizzled veteran, be sure to tune in to our next show. So intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even topic suggestions. They're always appreciated. You can contact us us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com, on Twitter at Old World Podcast, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast. Yes, we definitely want to know your feedback. Another great thing that you can do to help us out Go to iTunes or whatever your preferred platform is for listening to podcasts and rate us. Every review that we get helps us reach even more Warhammer fans all over the world. And if you uh, have friends or family that are into Warhammer, let them know to check us out. Absolutely. And one last thing. Don't forget, we're going to have that poll for uh, WFRP versus Wuffrup or whatever your preferred way. Yeah, Yeah, so, so go ahead, fill out those polls, let us know what you think. 
Twitter, Facebook, on our website at oldworldpodcast.com. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. The Old World Podcast is recorded at AFK Games. AFK Games is located in Lansing, Michigan, and is the one-stop shop for your tabletop and board gaming needs. Find out more online at www.afk-games.com. If you're in the area, be sure to stop in and say hi. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.